I want to welcome all those who are watching online and a special welcome to you. We had something kind of neat that was happening this week. Um, we have, uh, um, you remember Mark Franker who was here, his cousin who watches us every Sunday from South America. She had a birthday. And so he sent me a message. And so three or four of us sent her a happy birthday. And it's just cool how this church through technology is really touching people's lives all over the world. And we're just very thankful for that. And so if you're a guest here this morning, boy, we're really excited that you're here. Right after the service, we've got a gift for you right out in the, um, in the grand foyer. And if you have questions or you're looking for a church home, we would ask that you would consider making Central Community Church your permanent church home. All right, so we're in between series right now. Next week, we're going to begin a brand new series on the book of Esther. And so if you haven't gotten in the life group yet, now's the time to get in. You've got some time to get in. So just go out to the guest services and they'll take care of you. But um, today we're going to do just a, a standalone message. And I, I hope that you're going to enjoy it. But I hope that it's just not something that you hear. I hope it's something that you begin to pray about, okay? So I want to begin with something on the screen. And uh, look at what it says here. It says, when a decision to act must be made instantly, it is made through a system of emotional bookmarks. All right, now, let me explain to you what that means. What do you do when you're hungry? Well, most of the time, you go to the refrigerator, you open the door, and you grab something out of it, and you get something to eat, right? Now, have you ever thought about why you do that? Good. I'm going to tell you why you do that, and here's why. You see, your brain has bookmarked places in it to where every time you've gone to the icebox or gone to the refrigerator and pulled something out, you experience that good and satisfying feeling that comes from having your hunger taken care of. Now, here's the funny thing about it. You don't even need to think about it. Here's what I mean. Have you ever been maybe reading a book and all of a sudden you decide that you're hungry and so you're reading the book and you walk over to the refrigerator, you open up the refrigerator door, you stick your hand in, you grab something, you close it, you go sit down again and you eat and you never even thought about what you're doing. Have you ever experienced that before? All right, let me ask you this. How many of you remember your drive to church this morning? Right? I mean, I know I got here. My truck is sitting out there, and I'm here. But if you were to ask me, so how did you get here? I don't even remember. I just know that I drove here. Our emotions are so strong that they, have, they look for bookmarks in our brain, and then they flag those bookmarks that pertain to the experience that we're going through. And then based on that experience, then we respond. Case in point, how many of you have ever listened to a song and boom, just like that, you're back in high school or grade school or whatever, and you're thinking about that song because that song connected you with something else, right? Or how about this? You're in a store and you, have a, you smell this fragrance or you smell something cooking and boom, just like that, you're in your, your grandmother's kitchen and she's baking apple pie. You see, that's the thing that I'm talking about. So here's what I want you to know. These responses are emotional, so you know what? You don't even have to think about them. So as a result, 
every time that emotion comes up, you are going to respond the way the bookmark in your brain has told you to respond, unless a higher consciousness steps in. Here's what I mean. My lovely wife, she does really good now, but she used to hate tornadoes. And whenever you would see a tornado, I guarantee you she would get a little excited. Right, Nicole? I'm not lying, am I? Okay. One time, we were driving on the highway, the kids and I and Lori, and all of a sudden, she saw what she thought was a, it was a dust twister, you know. And I want to tell you something. All of a sudden, Lori went to a whole nother level, and she got up on her feet in the front seat, she jumped over to the second seat, and then she jumped over to the third seat, and then she jumped back over to the middle seat, and then she jumped back over to the front seat, and the kids and I are looking at each other like, what is going on with your mother? <laughs> now, here's what I want you to understand. She was totally in her emotions. So here's what I said to her. I said, Lori, Lori, look at me. What time is it? What? What time is it? Finally, she'd look and she told me, okay, so what just happened? What I did is I got her mind engaged. You see, what happens in life is that our bodies are so wonderfully and fearfully made that a lot of times our reactions come from our emotional system. And unless we get into that emotional system and kick in the brain, we live by our emotions, and emotions are good, but emotions lie to us, right? Now think about this story. There was a young mom who had a child, a little boy, and she was married to an alcoholic. Every time her husband would come home drunk, she would grab her son, she would put her hand over his mouth and squeeze tightly because he had a habit of crying or making loud noises that would irritate her husband. When her husband was irritated, he would come over many times and he would beat on the little boy. So the mother believed she was saving his life by keeping him quiet. But something was happening in the little boy that nobody realized. She put her hand over his mouth so tight that he had a difficult time breathing. A bookmark was registered in his brain. Fast forward this now many years. A group of scuba divers are going scuba diving. When they're down at the bottom of 50 meters of this deep sea dive, all of a sudden, this little boy rips his oxygen mask off. Now, I want you to think about something. They went down to get him, and when they found him, his oxygen tank was more than half full. His ventilator was totally functioning. But someone who was diving with him said they saw him panic and he ripped the ventilator off, and he drowned. How did that happen? There was a bookmark in his brain that said whenever something came over his face, 
It gave him the feeling of suffocation. So he ripped off the mask and he drowned. So I'm reading this book called Deep Survival. And what it talks about is people who die, people who live, and why. So in this book, there are all kinds of different disasters and catastrophes that have happened. Some of them are like a Navy pilot flying his plane into an aircraft carrier. He sees the lights on the aircraft carrier and he thinks he's home but his instruments are telling him something different. What does he do? He trusts his emotions and he crashes the plane into the aircraft carrier. What makes people do that? And this is what the author is trying to find out. One of the things that he did is he talked to some of the survivors of those who were in the Twin Towers before they came down. Or I should say after they came down and when they came out. This is what he talked about. He asked them, what happened? How did you make it? And here's what some of them said. Some people were yelling, go back to your offices and wait. You know what happened? Those people died there because while they were waiting, the towers came down. Others heard the thing, go back to your office, but what they did is instead, they ran out and because of that, they lived. All right, now, the author picks two things. There are two things that he says that we can learn from these. And here's the first one. Sooner or later, everything in life breaks or fails. Okay? That includes our bodies, everything that is on this earth. Sooner or later, is going to break or fail. And here's the second thing. You are deciding right now, by the way you live, what the outcome will be when these things happen. So stand with me out of respect for God's word as I read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Jesus is talking here, and this is what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, prepare our hearts now so that we might be ready for that moment in time when you need us to be ready. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So once again, we're back at the Sermon of the Mount, okay? We were there last week, and here we are again. Jesus is just about getting ready to say amen, and then he's gonna move on. 
But before he does that, I want to point out a couple things that are very important for us to understand. The first thing is this. Did you notice that when Jesus was teaching, the people were in awe of him? At the end of his sermon, at the end of his message, the Bible says that the people were in awe of him. But do you remember why? They were in awe of him because of the way he taught. And the Bible says he taught as one who had what? Authority. Jesus never said, the great theologian said, or the, the Bible said, the Old Testament says, he didn't say anything that, that. He said, I say. And the people were amazed at that. Why were they amazed? Because he was preaching on his own authority, and his own authority was the Word, right? The Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. And so Jesus taught them with great authority, and the people were amazed. Now, what did he teach them at the end that the people would have grabbed onto? And here's what he said to them. He said, ladies and gentlemen, he said, life is going to happen. You're going to have tough times. Your marriage is going to go through tough times. You're going to go through financial times. You may lose your house at one time or another. You may experience a fire. You may lose a child, but you are going to have difficult times. Life is going to set in. But Jesus tells him, but you have a choice. And here's what the choice. You can build your life on the sand, or you can build your life on the firm foundation. And all those things do is they determine how you handle life. But what Jesus was really saying to the people is this. It doesn't matter if you are a foolish or a wise man, life will still come. No one is exempt from life. Can I hear an amen? How many of you are going through life right now? Just a few of you. Get ready. So what do you do when life comes crashing in on you? What do you do in your marriage? You're just not on the same page. What do you do when your checkbook doesn't seem to balance? What do you do when you get that call that says you got some health problems? What do you do when your vehicle breaks down? You know what I do? Complain. I mean, I'm just being honest. Are you kidding me, Lord? I just fixed that thing a month ago, and it broke again? And then what do we do? Well, we look for something or someone to complain, don't we? We blame them. Here's what I want you to remember. The Bible tells us that life is gonna happen. In fact, I believe that in the book of Romans, the Lord tells us this. Look around you. Look in the mirror. Everything on this earth is falling apart. Everything is going to break. In fact, Romans tells us all of creation groans as if in labor pains. What's Jesus saying? He's telling us this. Guys, life is going to happen. So the question is, is when it happens, are you going to be surprised or are you going to be ready for it? This last week, when I was at the gym working out, 
I ran into a guy that I've, I've met recently, and his name is Troy. And we were talking about the fact that there are many people in life, and maybe in this room, there are many people in this room who make their living off of things that break, right? I mean, think about it. EMTs, somebody's body is broken down, a police officer, an insurance adjuster, and my favorite, a fireman. A fireman makes his living on the fact that something is on fire. All right, so this guy's name is Troy, and I was talking to him, and I said, Troy, I said, tell me something. I said, um, do you train quite a bit? He goes, every day we drill. I said, okay, so what do you all drill on? He said, Bobby, he said, there isn't anything that we don't drill on. So I said, do you drill with your firefighters on how to hook up the hose to the fire hydrants? He said, yep, every week. Do you drill with your firefighters about how to spray the water on the fire? Every week. Do you drill your firefighters on how to fold the hoses and put them back on the truck? Every week. Well, what else do you drill? What are the little things that you drill on? He said, our fire truck driver drills on how to put the keys in the ignition wait till the garage doors open, knowing that all the firefighters are on the fire truck, he starts up the truck and goes to the end of the driveway and stops. Now he's really got my attention. I go, so tell me something. And I was trying to be funny. He goes, do you drill on how to get dressed? And he goes, every day. You're kidding me. He goes, we drill on how they put their boots on. We drill on how they put their pants on and pull their suspenders over their shoulders. We drill on whether they put their oxygen mask on first or their jacket first. And we drill on how when they put that helmet on. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the, one of the things about fire, I never knew this, so I asked. You know, I always thought it was weird that the back of the helmet had this long kind of a tongue. I always thought it should be turned around and worn like a baseball hat, right? But you know why this is longer back here? So the water doesn't run down, down the back of their, of their jackets. Because everything on a firefighter, every piece of skin has to be covered. Now think about that. They drill constantly. And then I asked him, so what's your goal? He said, every time we drill, I hold a stopwatch. And we have to be on that truck and out the fire station in 60 seconds. Now, so why do you think that is? Because lives depend on it. People's lives depend on the fact that our firefighters have drilled and can dr have drilled so much that they have become proficient at what they are doing. I want you to listen to something here. Discipleship is our drilling so that when something breaks, we're ready. I'm going to say that again. Discipleship is our drilling so that when something breaks, we're ready. 
Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word discipleship, but when you hear that word discipleship, I hope the thing that comes to your mind is this. It's becoming more and more like Christ. Here's what I mean. True story. A young American pilot was shot down over Vietnam, okay? He was captured in a small village. When they captured him, he was stripped naked, he was beaten, he was tortured, and then he was thrown into a prison. His name was Howard Rutledge. When he was thrown into prison, they didn't have prison cells like you might see today. They basically had crates that all of these American men lived in. They were so small, they could barely stand up in them. They had no bathrooms, and every once in a while, they would get something to eat. When Howard Rutledge came into the camp, everything changed. You know why? Because Howard Rutledge began to sing hymns. During the day, during the evening, he would sing not just the first verse, not just the chorus, but he would, he would sing all of the stanzas. On top of that, he would recite Scripture by the chapters. He told the story of the Israelites going across the, the, the Red Sea. He told the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He told the story about Daniel. He told the story of how Jesus came into the world, and he did it from his memory. You know what happened to all of the people? You know what happened to all of the men who were in that prison? They were encouraged. They were strengthened. And they had hope. And even though many of them knew they weren't getting out of that prison camp alive, they still had hope because they knew who their hope was in, and their hope was in a man by the name of Jesus. All right, many years later, those who had made it got together at kind of a reunion. And you know what the men said about Howard Rutledge, who didn't make it out of that prison? You know what they said about him? He saved our lives. You know why? Because he was the Bible none of those men had. My dear friends in Christ, Life is going to happen. You're going to get the call. You're going to have that health issue. Your marriage is going to get in trouble. Somebody's going to be sitting with you in the emergency room, in the waiting room, and they're about to fall apart. And here's what I want you to remember. You may be the only Bible that they have. But you can only be that Bible based on what you put in here. Jesus did it. Take a look at this. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. I want you to think about something. Here's Jesus. He grew up as a young boy. His father, Joseph, was a carpenter. In those days, the fathers were in charge of teaching their children everything about the Bible. 
and teaching them a trade. And so here's Joseph and Jesus, and they are working on a trade together. And it was being a carpenter, using their hands, being good with their hands, doing things, whether it's stone or wood or whatever, that's what he did. Can you just think about what that might have been like? Jesus, come here. Hey, I want you to take that tree and I want you to plane the bark off of it, okay? All right, Dad. Hey, while you're there, let's work on some memory work. Do we have to? Yes, we have to. And they would start, Joseph would say maybe, hey, I'll start, you finish it out. Love the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You know what I mean? All right, now I want you to think about this, okay? So when Jesus starts his ministry, he goes out into the desert, and for 40 days he's in the desert, right? No food, no sleep, no water, and all of a sudden Satan shows up. And what does Satan do? He takes a rock and he throws it in front of Jesus. He goes, Jesus, turn that rock into a Twinkie. Okay, it was bread. Do you remember? And what did Jesus do? He repeated scripture that he had memorized, right? What did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. You see, that's the purpose of discipleship. So that when life happens, and it will happen, you are ready. Now look at this. Discipleship is the training of a believer to walk with Christ so closely that his heart and mind is what shines through. Here's what I want you to remember about God's word. The purpose of the Bible is not just to read the Bible and get it into your mind. The purpose of reading the Bible is to get the word of God in your heart, all the while changing the way you live. You want to know what God's goal is for you and for me? That we each and every day become more in the image of our brother Jesus. Look at this. You've already made the decision whether or not you will survive. That was one of the things that the author said in this book, Deep Survival. He said, for whenever that thing breaks in your life that is going to break, you've already made the decision whether or not you're going to survive or not. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, that's a little unnerving to me. You know why? Because basically he's saying is that you know it's going to happen, but you're not doing anything about it. And what I believe what God is saying to us in in this message today is this. I told you life was going to happen. I told you that it might catch you by surprise. You have to be ready. And how do you become ready? You take the word of God and you get it in here. So when that moment comes, you have God's word right here. And somebody else that you may be helping may be depending on the fact that they need your Bible that you've placed in your heart. This is critical stuff, guys. 
It's what we're all about. It's what our mission is. In fact, we believe it so strongly that that's why we brought Dr. Bob Ingram in. He is our discipleship pastor. And I'm not telling everybody, go and sign up right now. We're not to that point yet, but we're going to get there, okay? But what we want to do is we want to form some groups of two or three or four or five of men and women who are gathering together, and they're holding each other accountable by taking God's word, putting it in here, and we're seeing it in their maturity by the way they're living their lives here on earth. But I am going to ask you this. I'm looking for that mature believer, that individual, whether you're male or female, who, who believes in the power of God's word, and you've been memorizing God's word, and you are looking for someone that you can begin to pour into. Dr. Ingram is putting together a team right now, and if that's you, I would just ask you to pray about talking with him as he puts this core team together. But my friends in Christ, We know the trials are coming. Some of you are going through them right now. We know the tribulations are coming. You may be the Bible that somebody else is depending on. So let's make that decision to change that today.